Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, we'll hear from Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. He made an announcement this morning, actually two announcements. We'll tell you about those announcements. One was for funding livestock and forage research, and the other was the fact that they're freezing crown land grazing rates for 2024. We'll also have reaction to that announcement as uh, we have Kathy Larson, who is a research associate at the University of Saskatchewan. She's receiving funding for a unique research project. We will also hear from Grant McClellan, the CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, and uh, he will talk about his thoughts on that announcement, as well as the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference, which got underway today in Regina. The seeded acreages for flax and mustard are expected to drop dramatically this spring, while large acreage increases are expected for oats, chickpeas, and lentils. Kevin Hirsch, the chief agricultural editor for saskangtoday.com, will fill us in on that. And Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. That was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskang Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to Saskang Today. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt made two major announcements in Regina this morning. The first was for funding livestock and forage research. The announcement today is really research projects for the livestock sector and it's $6.8 million that we are uh, contributing for ag research for livestock sector here in the province of Saskatchewan. It's about 30 different projects. So what I'm very proud of is the uh, Ag Development Fund Committee that does the selection on the projects that they feel are very important uh, for the province of Saskatchewan and for producers here. And the committee is really made up of uh, livestock producers, academia, and uh, some ministry officials as well. So um, that's the part I really do like. They're the ones that make the selection on what projects they think are important to the province. He outlines some of the projects. Well, I mean, I, I read some of them, but it gets into more scientific terms than I want to uh, get into. So, but I think you, you know, I know there's academia people here that you probably could, they would give you some real good insight. Uh, the one that obviously that Karen is doing is she's going to go back and reevaluate the 35 young 
uh, livestock producers that she they started with and just see how their program is working for profitability, sustainability, and how it compares to other cow-calf producers as well. So those are the types of things. And obviously for African swine fever, we wanted to keep uh, going down that road and making sure we can find uh, our, a solution to all of that. And uh, that those are the kinds of things that we think that are really important. Uh, and the same thing with the forage side too. We want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for forage for the livestock sector as well. The other announcement Merritt made was the freezing of Crown land grazing rates for 2024. He says it's in case there's drought conditions again this year. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we never want to say we have a drought in January, but uh, and hopefully we're all praying that we see, you know, significant moisture through between now and uh, April. Uh, obviously, this is a program we thought that really had to be looked at and we did it. So we freeze, froze the rates since we in 2022, so we've continued to do that. Uh, the rates are always based on market price and things like that, so uh, it, we would have saw another significant increase. So this was, we felt, was the right thing to do to freeze it again. And obviously uh, we want to make sure that the patrons uh, are, are compensated, I would say that, for their respect they have for the pastures at the native uh, grasslands here in the province. And they are the best custodians of the land, they really are and they know when they should be pulling their, their herds off. So uh, we want to be able to uh, compensate them for that side of it. So if the cattle aren't in the pastures, they won't have to pay the rent. He remains worried about a lack of snow in southern and western Saskatchewan. Yeah, I know. I think we're all concerned. I said, you know, there is snow there is snow laying in the ground in some parts of the province, but uh, obviously we're concerned on the west side and the south and the southern side as well. Um, we've seen some moisture through the fall with rain and things like that on that side of it. Uh, obviously, our concern is now is water runoff and, and availability for the livestock sector, you know, through the dugouts and things like that. So. Uh, we'll continue to watch it, and uh, as I said, I'm, I, I'm hopeful that we'll see some significant snowfall between now and April, so, and, and that's, that's really the best snowfall we get anyway. So. Merritt says both announcements today are designed to help out livestock producers. Well, and that's really, that's, you know, and the program we announced last August as well, so that we were going to, you know, help producers uh, if they're looking for feed or had to truck it. That's why we came out with that program, that we'd compensate them that way. So uh, we just want to make sure that what we're doing here is, is in the best interest of the livestock sector. Uh, we want to, obviously, like I said, we want to remain very competitive. We want to be sustainable. Uh, and, and our producers are some of the best in the world. So uh, the, the uh, Western Canada Livestock Show, or Agribition, is probably one of the best shows that, you, that really shows and showcases what we're doing here in the province. So uh, I think it's through research projects like this. It allows us that. But one thing it also does is it really allows us to attract uh, very, very brilliant people that are in the livestock uh, sector in research that want to come to the province and do research projects. He adds he's very concerned about the declining cattle numbers in Saskatchewan. We're watching those numbers and we're seeing them, uh, you know, move the way that we don't want to see them move. I'm hoping that, uh, like everybody else, and even talking to producers, I said, you know, if we see moisture conditions come back, we could, we might start uh, increasing our herds back up. But yes, I've talked to a lot of ranchers that were running, you know, five, six hundred head that have reduced it down to 350 and uh, 300 and 400. So. You know, and they're saying that to me. So I'm just hopeful that we can see uh, moisture conditions return to normal again. And I think you'd see the herds come back up. So, but uh, yeah, it's very concerning and we're watching. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. 
As you heard, a total of $6.8 million in funding was announced today by Canada's Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food, Lawrence McCauley, and Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt for livestock and forage research. Kathy Larson is a research associate at the University of Saskatchewan. She's receiving funding for a unique research project. In 2014, I had funding through the Agricultural Development Fund to interview 35 ranchers under the age of 35. And we knew at that time through Statistics Canada that there was lower rates of uh, younger producers um, in, in beef production. And I wanted to know how those producers were managing land, labor, and capital challenges and opportunities. So I thought it was an opportune time to come back 10 years later and follow up with those folks to see how things have changed. Have they done anything to take advantage of those opportunities? overcome those challenges or are they still there and also just how are they doing production wise and use of the various risk management programs that we have available to producers. She thinks all 35 are still in business but she doesn't know for sure just yet. As I was preparing this proposal I did reach out to all of them and I had over half reply that they would be interested in being interviewed and I had no one say that they're no longer in cattle production but if they're, they have exited I do want to follow up with them and find out what um, led to that decision and, and what they're doing now. Larson tells us when she hopes to have the results of the study. So I guess uh, the funding requires me to find a graduate student, so I'll be in search of a graduate student who will start this fall. We hope to have interviews over um, the fall and winter of 24-25 and then have results coming out would be into um, later, mid to late 2025. And she believes the research will be very helpful. How I see this helping is just, it's a case study approach, right? I'm, I'm only meeting with a, a smaller group of the overall producer bodies, but these are producers who we have past um, conversations with and information on. And by doing this follow-up, I, I hope to gain a sense of what some of those challenges are on a more intimate basis with them. I'll be calculating cost of production for them and using that information to inform research and extension and uh, policy development as well. Kathy Larson is a research associate at the University of Saskatchewan. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. The record large net short position in Ice Futures Canola continued to rise in mid-January, as fund traders put on more bearish bets and liquidated long positions. That's according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of January 16th, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 132,882, which was up by about 12,000 from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 263,342 contracts, which was up by 14,443 on the week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, a combination of long liquidating and new shorts saw the net short position in soybeans more than double on the week at about 78,800 contracts. 
Farmers Edge has entered into an agreement with its largest shareholder to take the company private, pending approval from other shareholders. The deal would see a subsidiary of Fairfax Financial Holdings, which owns approximately 61% of the common shares in the digital agriculture company, purchase the remaining shares for a price of 35 cents Canadian apiece. The purchase price represents a slight increase from the original 25-cent offer by Fairfax in November and an approximately 98% devaluation from the $17 per share price at Farmer's Edge's initial public offering on the TSX in March of 2021. The deal is expected to close in the first quarter of 2024, subject to shareholder and court approvals, after which the company would be delisted from the TSX. The company says it plans to hold a shareholder meeting to vote on the transaction around March 12th. About 600,000 Albertans depend on groundwater, and scientists and rural officials say not enough is known about the effects that years of drought have had. Alberta has already warned municipalities to plan for another dry summer and is preparing help for farmers and aims to mobilize firefighting teams early, but those measures address surface water. Paul McLaughlin, the president of the Rural Municipalities of Alberta and an environmental scientist, says his members are increasingly concerned. He says even if there's snowmageddon, it's not recharging aquifers enough. Restaurants Canada is urging the British Columbia government to intervene in a proposed increase to the farm-level price of chicken in the province. The industry group says in a press release that the price hike proposed by the BC Chicken Marketing Board, which monitors and regulates production and marketing, would be untenable for restaurants and for consumers. Restaurants Canada is one of several food industry associations sounding the alarm about the marketing board's proposal, which is currently awaiting approval from the BC Farm Industry Review Board. The restaurants group, as well as the Canadian Poultry and Egg Processors and the Canadian Federation of Independent Grocers, wrote to the review board in December, urging it not to accept the proposal. The situation illustrates the pressure that all levels of the food industry are under to keep prices stable for consumers. Mary Robinson, the former president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, has been appointed to the Senate. She fills a vacancy in Prince Edward Island. Robinson is a sixth-generation farmer and agribusiness operator in PEI and current vice president of the World Farmers Organization. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Economics and Business. She served as president of the Prince Edward Island Federation of Agriculture and chair of the Canadian Agricultural Human Resources Council. She has been on numerous boards, including the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity and Agriculture Canada's National Food Policy Advisory Council. Named to the upper chamber yesterday by Governor-General Mary Simon, Robinson will serve as an independent senator. And Saskang Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill 
and choose SaskAg today. And yes, it is free. And that's today's Ag Review. Please stay tuned. SaskAg today will return right after this. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Saskang Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and minus 9 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association was on hand for the two announcements made this morning by Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. CEO Grant McClellan was especially pleased to hear that the province is freezing crown land grazing rates for 2024. Well certainly we appreciate the announcement. Uh, it's something that we've been having conversations with the minister and his team about for the last year uh, since uh, the announcement was made initially at uh, SBIC last year. Uh, we appreciate the recognition number one that uh, the drought conditions and low moisture still persist uh, in large parts of the province. Uh, and support for our beef producers is, is necessary for us to be able to maintain our herd or at least uh, stem some of the uh, decline. The other part is it really does show that uh, the ministry believes that our producers are the best suited to be stewards of that land, that public crown land that's owned by the people of this province. And in terms of taking care of that property and, and that uh, resource that we have, uh, it's another vote of confidence that our producers are some of the, those who are best suited to, to do that sustainably and, and effectively. And McClellan notes the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference is on again today and tomorrow in Regina. Yeah, so I think uh, first thing this morning we've got... Uh, um, Cattlenomics, uh, and that is uh, Trevor Hickey, and he's uh, up from uh, Colorado to do a presentation and really just talk about uh, some of the things you need to think about in terms of uh, building a strong business case and, and business plan for your operation. And uh, then we have another uh, keynote with a number of uh, veterinarians, including our chief uh, vet med officer here in Saskatchewan, Stephanie Smith, uh, to discuss you know some of the challenges and uh, scenarios that might arise uh, if there's a FMD related outbreak or any type of disease outbreak in, in the livestock sector, certainly something that we need to be prepared about and certainly uh, something that's front of mind for a lot of producers. And then of course uh, we have our cattle college uh, this afternoon and so that's the opportunity for a lot of our researchers. Of course the Minister announced today uh, that there is additional funding for research for the livestock sector. Saskatchewan Cattlemen is proud to uh, partner with the government on that and provide funding to research projects as well but this really gives the opportunity opportunity for those researchers to come and talk about the projects and the progress they've made and what the results are so far and what they expect to uh, to see at the end of those projects. So 
Um, and then tomorrow, one of our uh, big keynote speakers that we're very uh, enthusiastic and excited about, uh, we have Tim McMillan, uh, former president of the Canadian Association of uh, Petroleum Producers, here to talk to us about uh, some of the challenges that the oil and gas industry went through uh, in terms of meeting some environmental standards and some of the standards that have been pushed on uh, that industry and, and what to be aware of in the agriculture sector because certainly we know uh, there's increased scrutiny on that uh, around the world as well and we don't want to see some of the policies that have been adopted in places like Europe adopted here. We need to continue to support our industry. So we're excited to have him out uh, and then of course uh, we have our banquet this evening uh, which is followed by uh, an auction and uh, some um, uh, scholarship presentation for the SBIC scholarship. Uh, so there's lots going on. Uh, we expect a few more people to keep rolling in throughout the day, but we're uh, very pleased with the turnout. Grant McClellan is the CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 174.85. That's up 107. April live cattle trading at 178.07, up 117. March feeder cattle trading at 233.87, up 260. April feeder cattle trading at 239.50, up 240. February lean hogs trading at 73.12, up 220. April lean hogs trading at 80.55, up 292. And that's the livestock market conditions. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. U.S. wheat futures were lower last week as the lack of supportive news last week allowed the bearishness in the markets to dominate, especially as corn remains weak. Strong U.S. wheat sales on Friday were supportive. As far as some of the most important news that happened in the wheat markets last week, we're going to start in Canada, where Canadian wheat exports in week 24 were almost 400,000 tons for a season total of 9.7 million tons. This is 8% ahead of last year's pace. Weekly exports were below the average pace of about 408,000 tons, but remain above the average pace that's needed to meet the AAFC's 12, 20 million ton export number. For Durham, Durham exports in week 24 were 71,000 tons for a season total of 1.4 million tons, down 38% from last week. The average export pace of about 60,000 tons per week is slightly only behind the average pace needed to meet the AAFC's 3.2 million tonne export number, and we think that this should be possible given a slight increase in the pace of exports. There was 60,000 tonnes of Durham shipped to Algeria from Vancouver on Thursday. The trip is supposed to take 45 days, but it's going to be interesting to see if it gets rerouted through the Strait of Magellan, like a previous Durham load we mentioned a couple weeks ago. There was another Durham trade last week with Tunisia buying another 50,000 tons of Febmart shipment Durham. This comes one week after they bought 50,000 tons of Durham the week previous. Tunisia paid an average price of $446 per ton, 
which is just over $2 per ton less than the last week's purchase. The lower Canadian dollar means that this calculates back to about $12.70 per bushel at the elevator in Saskatchewan, which is very similar to what we said last week's tender was worth. The trading company Casulo won the two shipments, and so the Durham will not likely be sourced from Canada. EU countries are re-exporting some of the cheap Durham that they bought from Turkey. Spain, where production was severely reduced last year due to extreme drought, has shipped three, well two, possibly three vessels of Durham to Tunisia. There are also rumours that Italy will be doing the same. Durham prices in the EU were essentially flat over the week, except for a slight uptick in Spain, which could be because of the recent exports. Recent Durham trades continue to support strong values at the elevator in Saskatchewan, so our conclusion about Durham is that many, although many elevator bids are now below $12.50, we do hear of some limited-ton specials popping up. If not already 80% sold, we would get up to that point, selling for about $12.50 a bushel. U.S. wheat sales were above expectations at 707.4 thousand tons. Total commitments are now 16.1 million tons, which is 4% higher than last year, compared to the USDA's estimate, which reflects a 4% decrease year over year. U.S. spring wheat sales are strong. Hard red spring wheat sales have reached just under 5 million tons last week, which is 18% ahead of last year, compared to the USDA's estimate that reflects a 5% increase year over year. In Australia, with the harvest now finished, wheat futures in Australia are bouncing off the 370 Australian dollar contract low, and this is despite a rising Australian dollar. In Argentina, harvest is 98% complete. The average yield is 2.8 tons per hectare, and Badge left their estimated crop size at 15.1 million tons. Argentina's wheat has become competitive into West Africa, which is usually a French market. For China, China's December wheat imports were 610,000 tons for a season total of 4.9 million tons, which is behind the pace needed to meet the, a the USDA's 12.5 million ton import estimate. In the European Union, France has seen an uptick in demand, and there are reports that, for the first time this season, vessels are having to wait before getting loaded. France won part of the Gask tender that happened last week, selling 60,000 tons of the total 360,000 ton purchase. Despite the uptick in demand, EU wheat prices were slightly lower last week on a FOB basis, which could help attract some more buying. As far as the EU new crop goes, wet conditions hampered the seeding and seeding conditions of the EU winter wheat crop. In some areas, wet conditions even prevented farmers from sowing all the planned winter wheat area. It is much too early to draw any final conclusions about the impact that this will have, but the trade will gradually start turning its attention to the northern hemisphere crops. Current vegetation indices in France, Germany, and Italy show cropland vegetation is trending towards average, which reflects a decline in vegetative health from last year. A notable exception to this is the Spanish crop, where vegetative health is much improved from last year's drought. 
Vegetative health in Romania, Bulgaria, and Hungary are either average or slightly below average. Brings us to the Black Sea. Issues in the Red Sea continue to hit, hurt shipping traffic out of the Black Sea. Some have said that Ukraine's shipping may slow by 20% because of ongoing attacks. The Red Sea is a main corridor to move grain from Europe to the Asian market. Wheat shipments through the Suez Canal, which is attached to the Red Sea, in the first half of January fell by 40% to just half a million tons. The decrease comes as attacks in the Red Sea caused traders to divert cargoes around the Cape of Good Hope. Before the attacks, just 8% of wheat shipments from Europe were sent the longer route around South Africa. This is greatly affecting Black Sea shipping to Egypt. As far as the outlook goes, we expect wheat futures to continue to move in a sideways direction. We think the wheat market is supported, but will have difficulty moving higher while corn remains under pressure. Traders will watch the southern hemisphere weather and the corn production and focus on the northern hemisphere for winter crop development and spring crop planting. If attacks continue in the Red Sea, we may see cash CNF prices move higher. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this hour. March canola trading at 638.20, up $1.90. May canola trading at 642.60, up a dollar forty. March Minneapolis wheat trading at six ninety nine and a half, down one cent. March Kansas City wheat trading at six fifteen and a quarter, up eight and a quarter cents. March Chicago wheat trading at five ninety five and a quarter, down one and a quarter cents. March corn trading at four forty five and a quarter, down a half a cent. March soybeans trading at 12.31 and a half, up seven and a quarter cents. March oats trading at 3.68 and a half, down 10 cents. And that's the commodities update. The seeded acreages for flax and mustard are expected to drop dramatically this spring, while large acreage increases are expected for oats, chickpeas, and lentils. Meanwhile, the price of almost every grain, oilseed, and specialty crop is expected to drop, and in some cases, the declines are large. The projections are in the latest outlook by the Market Analysis Group of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Kevin Hirsch, the Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskGangToday.com, has this report. Ag Canada expects the acreage seeded to Durham in Canada to increase by 1.4%. However, the average price of Durham between this crop year and next crop year is expected to drop by $75 a ton. That will still leave Durham at a better price than CWRS wheat, which is expected to slip just $5 a ton. The wheat acreage, excluding Durham, is expected to drop by about 3%. The Canadian barley area is projected to drop 5% to its lowest in six years. The Lethbridge feed barley price is expected to be down $25 a ton year over year. 
After plummeting in acreage in 2023, Ag Canada sees oat acreage increasing by 27% this year, even though the average price is expected to drop by $40 a tonne. Canola acreage is forecast to drop by 1.5% and it too is forecast to see year-over-year price drop of $40 a tonne. Flax prices are forecast to remain relatively unchanged, but flax is forecast to see another acreage decline, this time 19%. On peas, an acreage increase of 5% is expected, despite the prediction for a $90 a ton price drop. Lentil acres are predicted to rise 8% and that year-over-year price decline is huge, $140 a ton. On chickpeas, a price decline of $160 a ton is projected, but acreage is expected to be up by 17%. For mustard, a price drop of $200 a ton is projected, and acreage is expected to drop by 13%. Despite a projected price drop of $165 a ton, canary seed acreage is expected to grow by about 6%. These, of course, are all very early predictions, and they are just that, predictions. For Saskag Today, I'm Kevin Hirsch. Farm Bulletin Board. The Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association annual general meeting is coming up tomorrow. Producers are being asked to help guide the Saskatchewan beef industry into 2024. As part of the AGM, a resolution has come to the floor to be discussed at the AGM regarding increasing the checkoff. As per regulations, notice is required before any resolution discussing an increase to checkoff can be voted upon. The resolution is as follows. Whereas the cost of SCA doing business due to inflation has increased, and whereas the last provincial increase was in 1987 to $1 and 2012 to $2 and to date remain with Alberta as having the lowest provincial checkoff levy, and whereas in order to continue to bring Saskatchewan's share in helping its counterparts in opening new markets, research and technologies, continuing to bring knowledge to consumers on the value of beef and to provide services the industry requires, be it resolved that the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association increase the provincial portion of the checkoff by $1.50 per head starting April 1st of 2025. So that resolution will be voted on tomorrow at the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association Annual General Meeting, which is taking place at the Delta Hotels in Regina. And of course, the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference continues there today and tomorrow as well. Celebrating Rural Ranching Women. That event will be held February 1st and 2nd at the Rock Glen Hall in Rockland, Saskatchewan, in south-central Saskatchewan. The Native Prairie Restoration and Reclamation Workshop for 2024 will be held February 7th through the 8th in Saskatoon. You're also being asked to join Saskwheat for Think Wheat 2024. The Think Wheat Extension Meetings are designed to provide Saskatchewan wheat producers with the latest information on marketing, research, and agronomy. These meetings are structured to be in-depth 
ensuring attendees get a comprehensive understanding of the topics being discussed. Their goal is to equip producers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions and increase their crop yields. The team of experts speaking are dedicated to delivering engaging and informative presentations that are easy to understand. They strive to create an environment that fosters learning and encourages questions and discussion. By attending these meetings, producers can stay up to date with the latest advances in their industry and connect with other like-minded individuals. The Think Wheat Extension meetings are an excellent opportunity for producers to expand their knowledge and improve their farming practices. There's a meeting today in Watrous at the Manitou Springs Resort and a meeting tomorrow in Outlook at the Outlook Civic Centre. The speakers attending include Marlena Borsch of with a Wheat Market Outlook, Dr. Megan Van Kosky, a field crop entomologist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, Philip Harder, a research director and hydrological scientist with Croptimistic SWAT Maps, and Carmen Prang, agronomy and extension specialist for Sask Wheat. So once again, those meetings, uh, one today in Watrous, one tomorrow in Outlook. And of course, you can place a bid on grassland restoration with the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation. The bidding closes on January 31st, so you want to get that in right away. Uh, for more information, go to www.ssgf.ca. You can email them at communications at ssgf.ca or simply phone them at 306-530-1385. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A 20% chance of light snow ending, then becoming partly sunny. Winds south at 20, gusting to 35, even gusting as high as 45, then diminishing, a high of minus 4. For tonight, partly cloudy. Winds southwest to west-northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 7. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds northwest at 10, a high of minus 4, an overnight low of minus 9. For Thursday, mainly sunny. Winds south-southeast at 10 to 20, a high of minus 3. For Friday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 1. And Saturday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 2. In the Paw, it's minus 13 degrees, Swan River minus 12, Dauphin, minus 9. Brandon, minus 8. Show Lake Russell and Roblin, minus 10. Regina, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 7. Saskatoon, minus 4. Hudson Bay, minus 9. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky. A south-southeast wind at 24, gusting to 33 kilometers an hour. 88% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 9 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 18 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. 
Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.